Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The late Bishop Gerald Kennedy told a story that was inspired by our gospel text. It concerned a young couple early in their marriage. Like so many young couples, they were short on money and agreed to relieve the pressure on their budget by promising each other not to buy any additional gadgets or clothes or shoes or such things. The young husband was quite upset, therefore, when one day his wife came home with a brand new outfit. You promised, he said, you were not going to buy any more clothes. It's one of the crosses we agreed to bear for now. I know, she replied, but the devil tempted me. You should have said to him, get behind me, Satan, he answered. I did, replied his wife innocently. But then he whispered in my ear, oh, it looks so nice from back here. And I couldn't resist. Peter could not accept the fact that Jesus, the one he had just confessed to be the Christ of God, was also the Son of Man who must suffer, be rejected, and die. He wanted a different role for his friend, for God's chosen one. As soon as the disciples had understood who Jesus really was, Jesus began explaining what that would ultimately mean. To suffer, be rejected, be killed. That part about rising on the third day probably didn't sink in, at least until that Easter morning, But suffering and being rejected and killed, those were images that certainly were very vivid and real. I can just about hear Peter. Oh, come on, Jesus. You don't mean that. Sure, some of the religious fanatics are getting upset. But hey, the people, the crowds love you. Nothing's going to happen. If they start giving us any trouble, all you have to do is appeal to the people, and they'll back down. It doesn't have to be that way. I imagine Peter's words were tempting to Jesus. In fact, that was the most tempting thing Jesus faced greater than those in the wilderness. For as the road to Calvary became shorter, we find Jesus wrestling with this in his prayer in the garden just before his arrest. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done 
at thine. Jesus knew what was to happen, what had to happen for the work of the Christ to be accomplished. He had to take his cross, be rejected, suffer, die like a common criminal in order for the glory of God to shine through him and the work of salvation be accomplished. But avoiding that sure was tempting. Otherwise, his rebuke of Peter probably wouldn't have been as strong. Get behind me, Satan, for you are on the side of men, not of God. Jesus had the cross to endure, and no amount of wishing or hoping or crowd appeal would allow him to do it any differently. So he called the multitudes to teach them about cross-bearing and discipleship. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Sometimes the image of cross-bearing becomes a way used by Christians as an excuse for complaining about some physical or mental impairment or anguish or difficulty, for economic hard times or physical maladies to whatever. Have you ever asked someone, how are you? And the person responds, well, my bones ache, and this isn't right, and that's a problem. Oh, we can't buy anything right now but necessities. And, but, you know, we all have our crosses to bear. I guess I shouldn't complain. Right. One shouldn't complain, especially if we had confused cross-bearing with the present moment's problems kind of cross-bearing Jesus talked about for himself and for those who would follow him has a purpose. And its purpose is to make a sacrifice for others. Cross-bearing is not centered on being weighed down by concerns for ourselves. Too many of us carry our own burdens and Think of those burdens as our crosses. But the cross is the willingness to die, to give up or give away, to make a sacrifice of ourselves, of our wants, of our desires for others. The young couple had decided to give up buying clothes for themselves in order to give clothing to the naked or food to the hungry or shelter to those out in the cold. That would be cross-bearing. Sometimes the idea of cross-bearing is a way of explaining our current problems. Sometimes cross-bearing is seen as a way of attempting to earn our own redemption. In other words, in order to deserve God's favor, we have to pick up our crosses and bear them. And maybe if we do enough of that, 
God will accept us. Isn't that the way God works? Has always worked? No, brothers and sisters, it isn't. Take a look at Abraham. We have the story of God's promise to him in both our Old Testament lesson and in Paul's letter to the Romans. The Genesis story contains God's announcement of what he was about to do, make an everlasting nation of Abram's descendants. The only problems were that Abram and his wife Sarai were old, nearly centenarians, and they were childless. How were they going to do anything to make good on God's promise? Well, the answer is, they couldn't. Fulfilling the promise was God's doing. As Paul writes, for the promise to Abraham did not come through obeying the law, Abraham's doing, but through faith. The promise depends on faith in order that it may rest on grace. In fact, the covenants God made with Noah and Moses and David and all the people of Israel depended not on what they did, but on God's action. Jesus carried to Calvary on the cross his concerns for us. He didn't die there for his own sake, but for our sake. And he calls any who would follow to pick up their cross of self-sacrifice so that others might come to know God's love through them. I know an awful lot of Christians who feel that if they are nice to little old ladies, don't kick the cat, and they go to church on Sunday as long as they get something out of it, and put a dollar or two in the plate as it goes by, they've carried their cross for the week. They get nervous when the pastor talks about discipleship or stewardship. After all, it's their money. They earned it. Or it's their time. A person has the right to enjoy himself. Or their talent. Somebody else can always do it better than me. Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let them deny their self, take up their cross, and follow me. What crosses are we bearing? Whose burdens are we carrying? Are we concerned only for ourselves or for people who will be concerned for us when we need help? Are we carrying any crosses for the hungry of the world? Do we deny ourselves anything? so that others might have or experience the gift of love. Hear the word of God's grace for their lives. Whose needs are on our crosses?
any man, woman, or child would come after me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save her own life and would lose it, and whoever loses her life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit anyone to gain the whole world and forfeit life? For what can someone give in return for eternal life? Amen.